Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. You want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Victory Green Hour as your playoff-bound Philadelphia Eagles defeat the division rival New York Giants 48-22 to in a game that wasn't that close at all as the Eagles totally and convincing, convincingly dominated the game at the Meadowlands as the Eagles are, you know, two probably two wins away. They can win these next two games, clinch in the NFC East and the number one overall seed in the NFC. I'm your host, Elgie Harrell. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, that was a thing of beauty on Sunday. Minus the couple of injuries the Eagles sustained, couldn't have asked for a better game. And this gauntlet of running backs that the Eagles have, everybody talked about, and including us, that the Eagles were going up against. Got to give that defensive line and Jonathan Gannon a lot of credit. They've definitely with, withstood um, – Something that was a was an obvious um that was an obvious weakness early in the season and they have gotten stronger and stronger week by week. Absolutely. I mean at the end of the day, I'm just happy the injuries weren't, you know, it was there in Sipos on a play that was amazing to watch. By know, the, way. Right? the fact that he almost down. salvaged that was unbelievable and then uh especially when you look at what the giants kicker did where he tried to do the old like i don't know australian rules drop kick to the punt but he said it slipped, he said it slipped out of his hand okay we'll leave it at that <laughs> um and then of course i mean we blank and ship that one sucks but i mean at the end of the day we're going to dive into anthony harris anthony harris is probably similar to reed Blankenship. reed Blankenship and marcus epps are both heat seeking missiles who are bound to end up causing more disruption than making really good plays i find especially marcus epps we saw it we've seen it the past couple weeks he just goes for the hit and he leans with his head and he just goes but at the end of the day we're lucky we came out relatively unscathed lane johnson is his injury is day to day we got a new punter we got anthony harris in the building we all former all pro punter yes and we are uh we are what we're in the playoffs and we're well on our way to especially after watching the minnesota vikings we should likely feel quite comfortable that we're well on our way to hopefully, fingers crossed, a first round bye. Yep. And before we get dive into the game, as always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LGHorrell54. Follow the Painted Lines on Twitter and YouTube at the Painted Lines. And follow Edge of Philly Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Edge of Philly Sports or EOP Sports. And if you are tuning in live, let us know your thoughts on the game, the 12-on-1 Eagles. Um, obviously, there's no we don't want to look past an opponent, but we know there's a big, big game coming up in two weeks in Arlington, Texas against, Texas against the Arlington Cowboys. Um, so, obviously, that's going to be a big one. And 
A team that didn't I look really good. want our Cowboys fans here to come in here and talk about the Sundays. Texans. That should have lost if the Texans had any competency at, on offense. Hey, um, what, hey I, I want I do want to point out they were without their number one and their number two uh, wide receiver, and then Damian Pierce went out late in the game as well. So they lost their three primary weapons on offense. Yeah, yeah. If they yeah, have Dallas even fans were celebrating, Dallas fans were celebrating like they you know beat a a really good opponent. It was only the one ten and one t- Texans, but you know yeah, give Dallas a little bit. They, they had them all. You know, when the Eagles barely beat the Colts or the Eagles struggle by beating the, the Texans by nine, it's, oh, man, you struggled against bad teams. But when Dallas ekes one out, it's a win is a win. Um, so those frauds, I can't wait until we – We will talk about them in two weeks. We I don't know, need to think about that right now. Two weeks. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so you were talking about – the one thing you were talking about last week is go, going into the, the, the game is that that field is terrible. We have to worry about that this week in Chicago because the Chicago field is not much better either. So, obviously, there's a, there's a lot – you know, th- they're going to be changing the field at MetLife Stadium. They're getting the input of the players. It should be real grass, but we'll see what they do. Um, Sipos's was a little – like you said, it was a great athletic play by him. Like, he just scooped up the football after it got blocked with one arm and almost got the first down. And give Jake Elliott a lot of credit. Um, with his one punt, give Britton Covey a lot of credit. Look, I, I'm not a, the, the biggest Britton Covey fan, but he's been pretty good with returns the last two weeks, and then he he jumped in there to be the holder when needed, when called upon. He he looked really comfortable doing it too. It's like he's done it before. Um, so that you know, he did. They did mention he did hold. I think I was high school or the very he was, a, he was a quarterback in high school, so maybe. Oh, and the early years in college, maybe I know they had they mentioned it on the broadcast I was listening to that he did hold at one point, but like years ago, like it wasn't yeah. the fact that he could hold the way he did was was impressive. Yeah. So, um, you know, Saquon, uh, we're gonna start with the Eagles defense. Got to give that front that front line a lot of seven sacks. And the Eagles now lead the league with forty nine sacks. Um, they have. Hassan Reddick has 10. Brandon Graham has nine and a half. It's the first time in franchise history that they have, I think, four players with six or more sacks. Five. Five is players. Five, okay, five, excuse me, five players. So it would be Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, Fletcher, I think, Hargrave, and Sweat, if I'm yep. not mistaken. You um, got him. So it, it's it's great. Like I mentioned before, it was a, the run defense was a weakness, and Derrick Henry – and Saquon Barkley did, did nothing against the Eagles. Aaron Jones and, and A.J. Dillon didn't do much against the Eagles. Um, after the first drive, Jonathan Taylor didn't do much against the Eagles. This week against Chicago, you're going to go up against Justin Field and, and David Montgomery. They're going to pose another challenge. Um, but while the Eagles didn't force, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, didn't force any turnovers, they didn't allow the Giants to get comfortable. They were in third and long a lot. Um, they, could, they couldn't stay on the field. The Eagles got off the field on third down. So – Again, you're not going up against a good quarterback, so Jonathan Garen is not scared against these really bad quarterbacks. But they just did an outstanding job over uh, on Sunday of whatever the Giants threw at them. Look, there was, remember the Dallas game, all the talk about Michael Parsons. The Eagles ran right at Michael Parsons. They did their play actions. They did their boots at Michael Parsons and had him on ice skates. There was a lot of talk coming into this game. Kayvon Thibodeau could potentially pose a problem. They ran right at Kayvon Thibodeau. They – ran their RPOs at Thibodeau, their bootlegs at Thibodeau, and he was a non-factor in the game. Obviously, the best offensive line in football, the best right tackle in football, has has a lot to say about that. But 
man, the Eagles just deserve a lot of credit. The defense deserves a lot of credit with what they were able to do against that Giants offense. Yeah, and I just want to point out, if you go to the New York Giants defensive box score and look for Kayvon Thibodeau's name, it's uh-huh. not there. No, <laughs> no sacks, no tackles for loss, no tackles whatsoever, no QB hits, no bad at passes, nothing. He is literally non-existent. It is, it's as if he wasn't even a member of that defense that game. And I know box score, watch him, whatever. Why also watch the game? He was non-existent, so mm-hmm. don't worry about that. But you want to start with the defense. It's super impressive to think that Tyrod Taylor is the lead-in rusher of the New York Giants this game. Like, that's crazy. And he only came out there for what, like, the fourth quarter? Like, Yeah, it was crazy to think that he came out there and he ended up being the leader. I do think, and it was something I felt before, that, you know, the Saquon Barkley injury impacted Barkley more than they wanted to admit. The fact that he was essentially a true game-time decision, I talked about that in in the show on on Saturday, because we were on Saturday. that I think if the game gets out of hand, they're going to take away touches. He's not going to see as much. I think he's not even going to see as much in general. Um, Gary Brightwell had five rushes. Matt Breida had three. Saquon Barkley had nine. So he pretty much was at about 50% workload. This was expected. Am I saying, am I taken away from the fact that Saquon Barkley is Saquon Barkley? It's a name. We stopped him. No. Am I saying that, he was used like he would have been used six or seven weeks ago. He definitely wasn't. So at the end of the day, props to, I'm not going to say the run defense. Run defense was good, but the run defense didn't really have to do a whole lot this game. Props more to the pass rushing side of the football this week because they did their job. They got after Daniel Jones. They took advantage of a weak offensive line. They took advantage of a guy who takes a lot of time, holds the football, really thinks. I think he's more like, you know, a la Jared Goff. Like if you don't tell him what to do, the guy's going to hold that football and he's going to think and think and think until it's too late. We ended up with 33, I repeat, 33 total pressures per PFF nine for Hassan Reddick six for Brandon Graham and then three for Milton Williams Javon Hargrave Fletcher Cox and Josh Sweat and then a bunch of ones that's a mate that's insane 33 total pressures one guy that you just brought up that deserves I mean like coming off of an Achilles injury you know um Brandon Graham while he probably he won't win comeback player of the year he should get definitely get recognition because I think it'll go to somebody like Geno Smith Man, he had three sacks this game. It's crazy. Just the Achilles injury is not an, an easy injury to come back from. You know, he he's got especially for a guy of his size and, and what he does, you know, you're you're pretty much speeding off the, the edge. Brandon Graham was really obviously amazing this past game. And you know, this could be his last year in Philly. He's making the most of it. Um, him and him and Fletcher Cox are ever since Fletcher Cox's snaps have gone down. Since bringing in Linval Joseph and and Dominican Sue, he's been a lot better. Shoot, Jordan Davis didn't play that much. I mean, I I asked a, a question on Twitter. I'm like, is Jordan Davis actually playing? But they didn't need him to. And obviously, maybe they're they're kind of easing him back after the foot injury. You don't want nothing to um, more to happen to his foot. But when you have Sue Joseph Cox Hargrave Milton Williams, like you don't have to force somebody into a game like um, Jordan Davis. And just, he's 
able to be, and I, I've talked about this before, he's able to be a sponge with all those vets that they have at the defensive tackle position. And I think that's going to be do wonders for Jordan Davis and his progression beyond this year. Now that they've become more comfortable as well with Domicon Sue being in the picture and Livol Joseph being in the picture, I was looking at the snap counts. There is almost no Hassan Reddick saw 55 snaps. Outside of that, uh, no other defensive lineman saw over 40. That like they have got to the point now where they are comfortable splitting it. Like I'll run through some names. Brandon Graham, 29. Um Milton Williams. He had three 20. sacks and wait, hold up. He had three sacks and 29 snaps. Like that's 20 10%. of those pass rush, nine in rush defense. So that makes the stat so even three better. Out of 20, that fifth, what's that? 15% of the time he got a sack. That's crazy. Exactly. And and that, but that's the but like look at the line. Like Milton Williams, 24 snaps, Domicon Sue, 29 snaps, Javon Hargrave, 31. Fletcher Cox, 29. Josh Sweat, 30. Jordan Davis, 15. They've gotten to the point where this line is so deep and they can be, they're so comfortable and confident in cycling in and out guys because they know that they can do something. They, you may see a point where none of these guys are going to see over 50% of snaps besides Hassan Reddick, clearly, because they're showing they'll use him as a linebacker. They'll use him as, as a pass rusher. They'll use him as everything. But you can see at this point where they are very comfortable in having everybody play like almost like 25, 25, 25, 25, 25% snaps. If you remember back in 2017 when they had that rotation, it did a world, it did wonders, especially in the divisional round and and the championship game because they were fresh. They were able to get after the quarterback. I mean, obviously in the Super Bowl, Tom Brady ate us apart, but still having those, not having, remember the, the Washington game where Fletcher Cox played 70 plus snaps, like that wasn't good. Now you have a rotation. You you have the defensive tackle rotation, the defensive end rotation. Um, it, it's going to do wonders for them come the playoffs. And then, you know, another thing when it comes to the Giants, what's the one thing when they even when they were six and two? One thing we both said: they're a fraudulent team, and they are a fraudulent team. Like I know they're playing the Commanders this week, and the win, the loser of that game is, for all intents and purposes, out of it. Of, of the playoffs, like it wouldn't shock me if Washington were to win that game. And I know they tied to uh, last week, um, but like the Giants just don't look like the team that they were at the first half of the season. And I think they're coming back to earth. Obviously, not 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 everybody knew about you know Brian Dayball, what he was going to do when Martindale and all that. But now that we're seeing what the real Giants look, they need a quarterback. They need help on the offensive line. They need, definitely need receivers and. I don't I they're they're they just really like they came out hot and now they're showing who they really are. Yeah, and we talked about it Friday. It's not necessarily that they came out hot, but more like they got lucky in the games that they were with it. Like what I I remember I said the stat the other day, like it was in six of seven, six of eight games before the bye. They mm-hmm. won those by seven points or less. Mm-hmm. And then since then, they're now one, three, and one. And they've only had one game that was within seven points. And it was that tie game. The rest, they've just, they've either, they beat an opponent really bad. And in the three losses, they've been absolutely crushed. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there is a something that needs to be said about the injuries. But 
also, they don't have the right people in place. Do they have the right personnel in place? Absolutely. I think Martindale's great. I think Dayball is great. I think Joe Scone in, in that front office is great. I think this is a team to worry about two or three years down the road, kind of like we talked about Washington a couple years ago. This is a team that's only a couple pieces away, and they continue to get the piece, but then a piece goes away. And it feels like now they're just like, they tried to take the cheap route at quarterback and it failed them. And now they're just like a middle of the pack team again with an incredible defense. There's a lot to be said that there's work to be done because I pointed those stats out to you last week. They rank sixth in Russian offense. And then outside of that, they rank 18th or worse or 22nd or worse across the board in Russian defense, passing defense, overall defense, overall offense, passing offense. It's really ugly. Like they have a, and Saquon Barkley, I think he's a free agent. Is he not like, or next year he's a free agent. He's a free, he's a free agent. So he's a free agent. So you're going to let one of your biggest pieces walk in a absolutely humongous free agent class. And in a humongous class of running backs and if you let Saquon Barkley go there's no guarantees you're getting anything back there's no guarantees B. John Robinson coming to the NFL is Saquon Barkley of 2018 so you have speaking like, of B. John Robinson that ESPN mock draft that has the Eagles taking him with the Saints pick is baloney they will never ever 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 take a running back Todd that McShay, high or in the first round Todd McShay is a good player evaluator by his mock drafts are absolutely absurd. I don't think anybody puts any type of value into a Todd McShay mock draft anymore, but you still put value in his play. Or Mel Kuyper, yeah. But you do put some value into their player evaluation because they have hit on a lot of guys. But you take it with a grain of salt. Check out what other people are thinking about them too. But they do pick out some really good guys, and they do know some good guys. But, yes, Bijan Robinson at pick five, no chance. I've seen more mock drafts with him at pick 32 than pick five. So, sorry, Big Shea, but that is not just happy. not the spot. Just not the spot. You, that's somebody that doesn't know the Eagles front office. They will never take a, a running back. Probably never take a safety or linebacker in the safety. Like in the first round, you, you got to know. All right, let's jump over to the Eagles offense. Jalen Hurts, outstanding again. He's uh, the leader in the MVP race after Mahomes threw three interceptions in a win. Um, but he was, he was remarkable again. Like he had another call. He had the, the on fourth. I, I didn't think the Eagles were actually going to snap the ball on that fourth and seven with the touchdown pass to Devontae Smith. I don't know what Julian Love was doing, the safety on that play, but like. It, I it, said he would be an impact player. I thought for a positive, not a negative, but I'm going to take that. Yeah, like that's. A, uh, and then, like, one of his best throws was an incomplete to Devontae Smith in the corner, uh, right on the front pylon on to the, to the left, where. Devontae wasn't able to get his second foot in, but, like, it was an on a dime. Look, I've been a big fan of Jalen Hurts. I was a fan of him at college when he was at Alabama, when he was at Oklahoma, when he got drafted. Or coming out in the draft, I, I had said, and, and you can ask, you know, Shane Mead this, because we both said it, that Jalen was going to be the best, if not the best, this, a top two or three in that quarterback draft. Uh, class, which if you look at that quarterback class, it's really turning into a really historic quarterback class. Um, when you talk about Hertz, Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert, like they all are really good. Um, but then he got drafted by the Eagles, and this was at the, the height of you know Carson Wentz, and nobody really thought um, Carson or Carson was going to go through what he went through and have a men- just a mental block 
or playing in Philly, but I did not think he would be able to turn into the type, the quarterback that he is. So he could be a Taysom Hill type, I didn't, but he has really turned into a great passer. He's really smart with the football and his leadership. Obviously he has the intangibles, but when you look on the sideline, when he was up 21, nothing, you saw Devontae and AJ Brown, AJ Brown and Quez, they were all joking. And they, they panned the camera to Hurts and what is Hurts doing? He's got the, that look on him. The, you know, we always talk about the Tom Brady look. The people talk about that Tom Brady look. That's the look that um, Hurts had, and like he knows it's unfinished business. They don't, they're they're not done yet. Um, they obviously, yes, they clinched a playoff berth, but they still haven't clinched a division yet. Haven't gotten a first round bye. This team hasn't won anything yet, because now the one thing we we talk about all the time is win a playoff game now. So like, if, if they get that first round bye. You know who they might see in the divisional round? The Dallas Cowboys. So, like that—that's going to be the ultimate test. Obviously, we're not—I'm not trying to jump too far ahead, but um, like, just everything that he has done this season. I hope it's not, and and I don't think it is because Jalen doesn't seem like that type of person. I hope it's not for because he knows he has a big contract coming, and as soon as he gets that contract, it's—I'll—I'll—I'll. Take a step back on my laurels, you know, and and I won't have to continue to put the work in. Obviously, being a being a coach's son, he he would, but he deserves all the credit in the world. And you know who else does? Nick Sirianni, because coaches come in with new, especially new coaches, will come in with their system and say, "We're gonna put the players into my system." What does Sirianni do? He builds a system around what his players do best, and it starts with Jalen Hurts. Last year, Jalen wasn't that great of a passer. What did they do? They ran the football. Obviously, Jalen worked this offseason. They can run the football. They can throw the football. And Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen deserve a lot of credit of building this offense around Jalen and what he does best. And I know that, like, the people from the outside who aren't Eagles fans look at this and they're like, oh, he's just going to run the ball or whatever. If you that just goes to show you don't watch Philadelphia Eagles football games at this point because he can throw, he can pass. And while I think he's a better deep passer than anything else and a big play passer than anything else, that's great. That's what you want in the NFL. If you can win the way that you're winning, so be it. And at the end of the day, I I think I tweeted like a couple weeks ago, what do you want to see? Is a quarterback only good if they can't work in a system that works for them? All systems, except maybe Patrick Mahomes, all systems are essentially built around a quarterback and their strengths. Patrick Mahomes is the exception because I think he can work almost anywhere in any situation doing whatever. I mean, look at the way he throws the football side arm out overhead. Like it doesn't matter, but you don't expect these coaches to go in and build a system that is counter to the player and say, if you work in this system, you're really good. No, man, you build it around that quarterback. And if that quarterback succeeds to the point that Jalen Hurts is a MVP favorite, if you are betting on a MVP right now, the one who's paying the least amount of money out to you is Jalen Hurts because he is the favorite right now to be the MVP. So the fact that it's got to that point, No, that's what you want. That proves exactly what you said. Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni have done an absolutely incredible, amazing job at building a system. Steichen, the system, I think Sirianni, the culture. The fact that those two come together and have met the way that they've met this season is instrumental to the the success of this team and to how they've been as a team. 
whenever an injury has come up, they've brought another body in. That body fits in perfectly. Like we talked about Linval Joseph and Damakon Su, they fit in as if they were part of the team from week one. Like everything just works so flawlessly in the way they answer questions and the way they talk, the way they interact with fans. You look on Twitter, the way they tweet versus the way Trayvon Diggs tweets. Like mm-hmm. you look at these circumstances, this is a team who wants to win and the culture is there to win. And it's really incredible to see it, It's an amazing thing. And I know that's off topic from the offense. No, Cause like, I really also want so, to talk about Miles Sanders at, in a minute here, but yeah. Hey Dave, what's up? Thanks for joining us. But, um, like what you just said about the Trayvon Dixon, when Miles Sanders was asked, you know, how's it feel to to have your first thousand yard season, or what's better, your first thousand yard season, or uh, was it the ten rushing, something like that? And he goes, or what, he said something about winning a Super Bowl is going to be best. Trayvon Diggs comes out and says, "I want that interception. It's mine." Like, so it's definitely a culture thing in Philly. Like, and and that's key because th- there there was a the story out that like players don't want to leave the facility. They just want to hang out, you know, at the facility and whether it's playing ping pong, shooting pools, shooting hoops, whatever it is at the facility. Like when you have that type of atmosphere, that's big. And that's what kind of attracts players, free agents that are going to want to come play here. And that's key because going like next, and, and I don't want to, you know, go too far ahead. Like, but in the off season, we already know that the Eagles have six, I think six starters that are free agents on the defensive side of the football. Are they going to be able to bring back all of them? Probably not, but like you're going to, you're going to have to try to entice guys to maybe either take a team friendly contract or entice new guys to come. And if they're able to do that, I mean, just the atmosphere and the culture, like you've said that Nick Sirianni has built is going to be something that's going to be, is going to be key uh, in, in Philly and to be able to keep this run going because you're going to be paying, your quarterback, 45, 50 plus, 45, 50 plus million dollars a year. Now you have to find a way to build a team around him that with with contracts and players that aren't as good as what you have right now. Absolutely. And you know what? At the end of the day, no matter what we think about, you know, Jeffrey Lurie or Howie Roseman and their process for picking coaches. And we look back and Jeffrey we laughed Lurie, at that. Jeffrey Lurie is really good at that, by the way. Yeah, like, they, they're good. And they're good at finding culture guys, guys who build a culture, buy, build a very successful culture, build a culture that people buy into. And they end up finding the people or being able to get the right coaches in place that, end up having the team succeed around them. We saw it with Doug Peterson. We're seeing it with Nick Sirianni. We got two guys who are likely leaving us in the offseason to be head coaches elsewhere because the league looks on them so highly. And while Jonathan Gannon has caught a lot of flack, if you go and look at the stats for that, this defense, they rank top five, top ten in almost every single statistical category across the board. And they have ranked that way pretty much for the majority of the season, despite that we don't want to maybe admit it, they've pretty much ranked that way almost the entire season, minus maybe after week one when it was that shootout with the Dallas or with the Detroit Lions. But otherwise, they've really battened down and they've improved on a lot of things that they haven't been so good on. Um, and that's great to see. 
And are, would we be happy to see these head these guys go on and get head coaching jobs? Absolutely. Would we be happy if they got rejected and stayed here? Absolutely. I would be 100% okay with that. I do think in an offensive-friendly league, Shane Steichen is likely the first out the door. But I do have a ton of confidence in Brian Johnson as well and what he can step into the role and do because they've built the offense. It's just about getting the guy to go in there, take the playbook, understand the playbook, and facilitate it like it's been facilitated this season. Um, Offensively, though, I mean, you can't say enough about pretty much everybody. Boston Scott, while he didn't have his usual MetLife Stadium game. He had a good kickoff return. He had an incredible kickoff return, and then he went for six for 33 yards and a touchdown, so he still got the touchdown. Um, Miles Sanders, incredible game. 17-144, two. Like, I think he's pretty much, like, the amount every single week – the franchise records or new fra- this first time in franchise history thing that's happening. It's weekly that some record ten, is being broken or rushing, something. Yeah. 10 rushing touchdowns for Hertz, 10 rushing touchdowns for Sanders, 10 receiving touchdowns for AJ Brown. How many receiving touchdowns did Devonte have? Because he could potentially hit 10. So like it's, it, it is just how, efficient this offense is right now you know a lot of talk of the teams coming in here with or teams facing the eagles with good defenses and there's a lot of questions about well if the eagles can't run the ball can they throw the ball obviously they can and if the if the eagles can't throw the ball can they run the ball obviously they can yeah what was, what is your excuse for sunday sir the, the uh yeah, yeah i'm glad the texans, those, those mighty texans really uh really Serdar says, says this is a good thing. We want to play at their bet. We want to play Philly at the best. No excuses. Philly better not rest their starters. First of all, if we okay, so we're in the playoffs. If we have the conference clinched, I would fully if, expect well, starters to be so rested a if bit. The Eagles win this week in Chicago and Dallas loses to Jacksonville, which is probably not gonna happen, but isn't if, if Dallas plays the way and Dak plays the way he played against the Texans, could happen. The Eagles would have a three-game lead with three to play. They wouldn't have in theory, they wouldn't have to play anybody on that Christmas Eve game. They would, just because. But if Dallas loses to Jacksonville and the Eagles beat or and the Eagles beat the Bears, the Eagles pretty much have the East wrapped up. And to expect that to expect that we would have to play them the whole game, not necessarily. Maybe as a if we can get a good lead here, we'll let them play. And if it's close at halftime, okay, maybe we'll let them play. But like if you're blowing us out or we're blowing you out by halftime, the the prospect of resting players is is fine with me, and it makes a hundred percent sense. At the end of the day, maybe they would want to play them because it's the Dallas Cowboys get the monkey off your back. I talked about it Friday, sir. I don't think you were in the comments. I guess you should have been here. It, it would be nice to get the monkey of the whole Dak Prescott has, a, has the Eagles number off their back. But at the end of the day, if, if things are clinched, if scenarios are clinched, there's really no reason to play these starters just for the sake of getting the monkey of Dak Prescott off our back. We can maybe prove that point in the playoffs if we have to face you in the playoffs. But I would not risk it. We saw it with Aaron Sipos. We saw it with Reed Blankenship. We saw it with Lane Johnson. You do not want to risk injuries if there's no reason to risk it. But 
it is important, I think, still that these guys continue to play, you know, play a half here, play a half there, make sure to keep them fresh so that it's not like, you know, the Detroit Lions and the Philadelphia Eagles in week one where it's a complete shootout. Although the Detroit Lions are a lot better than we anticipated as well. Five in a row. Yeah, Detroit's playing really well. Detroit's going to be a team that you don't really want to see. Um, They're going to rest them if 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 they're making it. I guess if the division and or conference, and conference are wrapped up, they'll treat it like preseason. Put it this way: those last two games of the year are, are home games at Seattle, or excuse me, at home against the Saints, at home against the Giants. Those two games are going to be treated like, especially the Giants game is going to be treated like. Remember last year's Week 18 game when it was our COVID replacement game? That's going to be that Giants game. The Saints game, because we have the Saints first round pick, we'll probably. Definitely play at least a half. And Chauncey Gardner Johnson is, Charlie, if yeah, he's healthy, he's, he's playing because a he's, bulk he's of it. He's eligible to come back that week. We'll see if he can. Um, but. Ricky uh, Butler, the OBJ Sega. What's the take after the cow turd signed T.Y. Hilton? So I want to listen. I want to. I want to know one thing. I want to know what the over under is on games before T.Y. gets injured, because that is where that's where I really think it matters. I mean, I think Ty is cooked, honestly, but we'll see. Uh, and he was well, good. Look, he was good. I, he was good. And with, with what I do bad, injuries really hurt him. What I do want to know, LJ, very seriously here is Ty Hilton to the Cowboys, Cole Beasy to the Bills, two of the front runners in the OBJ sweepstakes, and OBJ is still on the board with only one real team who was in it, the, the Giants. Giants. Well, I, what did, I think what's that, your take on the circumstance now that two other far more inefficient players have been taken? He's not ready. He won't be ready until 2023. What he's going to have to do is take a one-year deal because he, um, <clears throat> if when it, when it comes to OBJ, I, he wanted a multi-year deal because I think he knew that like he just wouldn't have it even for a playoff run this year, so he won it. I, I think he's going to have to take a one-year deal for 2023 to prove that he's healthy and potentially get a uh, a longer deal. But he's not I – don't, I don't think anybody is going to risk it. Like, he's not going to help you in the playoffs. Dan Jim says he was talking to the Chiefs too, but hopefully they pass too. Yeah, apparently I, re- I saw that report too. The Chiefs have been, like, talking to him – since the beginning, they've been in contact, but they haven't really pulled the trigger on anything. But I agree with you. And, and we talked about this, LJ, on, on Friday. And I kind of said, A, I don't want him in there with the culture. He doesn't fit the culture. It doesn't work. We've been working fine with the three wide receivers with Zach Pascal in there for 25% of snaps, um, mostly blocking snaps. But it just, there's something up with that knee. If two of the front runners for OBJ have completely They've decided Colby is Even good Jerry for us Jones in said, Buffalo. Jerry Jones did say it's not off. It, it's not out of the picture for them. They're still signed OBJ. It's still it's not out of the picture, but at this point, I think they have to be once they lock down their playoff spot, and if they still believe, you know, they need another wide receiver in the picture, then I think they would go after it. But I mean, these moves have to be made before the playoffs, so you have to expect and anticipate that this would happen once something is clinched and if the offense continues to have some issues ricky says i feel like the eagles might pick him up for draft capital if the giants don't there is a would he rule- be eligible 
I don't think he'd be eligible. There is a rule in regards to it. I don't know the exact rule, but I think they have to play regular season time. Playoff time, I don't think factors into it. It has to be regular season time. So I don't think it would factor into the comp picks. But don't worry, Howie's got that under wraps. Comp picks are, he's going to get plenty of those this year, I think. Jim, thank you. 0.5 LOL. That is to my comment about how many games before TY's injured. I mean, if T.Y. and Cole Beasy are on the board, I think I probably would prefer Cole Beasy. He's proven consistently able to handle a bulk of targets, plus healthy. Big thing. T.Y. Hilton, he's been off the field for how long now? And now you expect him to go out there and do anything efficient for your offense in the first couple weeks and stay healthy? And I'm not saying that against the Dallas Cowboys. I'm just saying in general, he's struggled with health for what is it? Well, like but for two, Dallas, they... They do have CD, they do have Gallup, and they do have James Washington. I don't know what James Washington did on Sunday. I wasn't watching their game, obviously. I was watching ours. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. Uh, okay, so we... LJ, I think we're done with this game. It was a great game. We loved it. And and Ricky wants to know how do we feel about the new signings. I love the today. Brett Kern signing because I, I wanted them to bring in a punter to compete with sit boss in the, the preseason now Kern was still in Tennessee at the time so it wouldn't have been him but I think Kern has a chance to earn a spot and, and I know you usually don't lose your job because of injury but Kern is a former all pro punter and I think that he has has a chance to um to kind of win the job going into the playoffs um so I like Kern Harris he he's a guy that knows the defense um he's better than Come on, Wallace. I don't know. Um, all we have to do, we have to get through the Dallas game, and I think because I think Arnold Johnson could come back for the Saints game. Um, yeah. and Reed Blankenship has been good the last couple of weeks because they haven't faced an offense that is going to challenge you vertically. You, you've been facing offenses that are running offenses, and it's going to be the same this week against Chicago. They're a running offense, they, they throw the ball 15, 14, 15 times a game, if that. Um, they don't want Justin Fields throwing the football, so. You know, just don't get beat because on Sunday, Kevon Wallace, when he came into the game, he got beat a couple times, like right off the bat, and it was so frustrating to watch. Um, I don't know what type of shape. I'm assuming Anthony Harris is going to be in shape, and, you know, he he might get called up from the practice squad this week because they're very light at safety. It's Epps. It's Wallace. Just, I mean, um, Maddox and Josiah I Scott. think it's going to be Epps, Wallace, Harrison. Josiah. I think Andre Chichere is coming back yeah. up again as much as we may loathe the I like the him move. for special teams. I like him for special teams, but, I mean, at the end of the day, we need help at safety. And right now we have two healthy safeties and then two guys on the practice squad. So, I mean, the good the advantage to Anthony Harris is he knows the defense. He's not coming in blind. He knows what he's doing. If he's in shape, you can put him out there for, what, 25 30% snaps and kind of split that time with Kevon Wallace. Marcus Epps is going to have to take on a bulk of the load this week. Um, he hasn't been good in coverage in recent weeks. That's concerning. Um, like I say, he's a heat-seeking missile. I mean, if you let he's him go and he two, can go. He's had two roughing – or um, he's had two – Unsportsmanlike conduct, or unnecessary whatever. roughness, unnecessary roughness penalties in in two weeks. So he's got to figure that that part out. And and like I mentioned, Reed looked good only because he he we haven't been facing offenses that are going to stretch the field. That'll change against Dallas. Obviously, they like to throw the ball down the field. 
if Reed is back. If not, it'll be Harris and Epps and Wallace and and whatnot back there. Um, so that 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 will be a challenge. Um, and then you know, in going the, into that Dallas game. And like Kern, for me, I think he he's got the job for this season. They haven't announced how serious the injury was, but they've kind of given the. Vibe that season. it's a pretty serious injury. Exactly, he's out for the rest of the regular season. I wouldn't be shocked if Curtin's got the job from now until the whenever a playoff run ends. Wow, that feels good to say since we're in the playoffs. But, um, anyways, yeah. But like, I feel like at this point, he's got the job for the remainder of the season, regular and postseason. And then in the off season, if they really like what he brought to the table, it's going to be a of oddly enough a punter battle. I think Sipos might be a free agent, but I, otherwise, it is it could be a punter battle in in training camp that we have to watch between him and Kern. If Kern's willing to come back, because Kern is going to be thirty seven next season, thirty seven going on thirty eight in season. So it would it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening there. Um, Jim did make the comment: Cole Beasley knows the offense as well. Ty Hilton doesn't. Definitely an advantage as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Overall, Ricky, the injuries or the the signings today, Kern was really good. Sipos hasn't been great. We haven't had a whole lot of great things to say about Sipos. The best thing we can say about Sipos is he sacrificed his leg. I wish I was a first down, but he sacrificed his leg for a v- incredibly athletic play by a punter. Um, and then. Harris, he just knows the defense. So at this point, like if you go out to the well and you say, who do we want? We don't love Harris. He's better than Wallace. He knows the defense. It just, it all lines up as it's better than bringing in a guy who will need a couple weeks to adjust. And I'll, yeah, the devil, you know, is better than the defense. The devil you know is better than the devil you don't. It's exactly. So the, 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 I think the signings get a, get, get, Thumbs up for me, just like the Limbaugh, Joseph, and Damakon Suwan's got thumbs up. I think he's making the smart decisions. He's making the best decisions, Howie, to keep the team in the run-ins and hopefully injury-free after I this. I think Howie and the Eagles know that like their biggest window to win a championship is probably this year because of all the free agents that they're going to have next year. So do what you have to do this year. Bring in what you need to bring in, where you can bring them in so that you can make this run to the Super Bowl. And in the offseason, we'll figure it out from there. Um, so that's mm-hmm. what he's doing, and he deserves a lot of credit. He's probably going to be in the running or probably might win executive of the year again. So just the way he put this team together. All right, Eagles won 48-22. Let's, before we finish off, move to our unheralded player of the week for week 14. I forgot what week we were in. For week 14 in the National Football League, who do you got, Connor? I'm going to go with some, because we never really get Canadian flavors. So I'm going to go with a Canadian. I'm going with Chuba Hubbard of the Carolina Panthers. He went 14 for 74 and one plus a three and 25 through the air. Um, The Panthers, I don't know if they know this. I don't know who needs to tell them this. But they should really be trying to lose a lot more games than win right now because you can't go into next. You picked up Mayfield. You let him go. Now you got Sam Darnold at quarterback. He's doing the same stuff that he was doing. He's horrible. This team is going nowhere unless they get a quarterback. And at this point, they're going to be back end of the first back end of the top ten for a first round pick, and that's not going to land you a quarterback in it's this not draft. Land you Bryce Brown or C- CJ Stroud. 
No, and it's not like, I mean, maybe like Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, like you end up in that conversation, but I feel like someone's going to trade up for one of the two of them. So you end up with the leftovers of that situation. But somebody needs to tell them that they need a quarterback and they need one really badly and they, they need might, to do that by NFC, losing. NFC South is so bad, they might win that division. They're like a half game, a one game out. Oh. I just wanted to get the some Saints Canadian flavor are, the into Saints, this. <laughs> the Saints are two games out. Like, if the Saints win the division, that screws us over, obviously, but they're two games out of the, of first place in the division. How crazy is it? They're two games out of winning the division, and we have their pick, and it's pick it's just, number five uh, in the draft. Yeah. Like, that's how crazy the NFL has been this season. Go and look at it. Like, the top of the AFC and the top of the NFC, like the top two to three teams, it's like runaways. And then everything else is like bang, bang, bang. Like everyone's yeah. piled up except for like what the Texans are at the very bottom. And who else is at the re- – like that's it. The Texans are the very, very bad, very, very – oh, the Broncos are horrible right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Cardinals are really bad and they things just got a whole lot worse. Um that's really it. Like you look at the bottom of the standings, like the number five pick is a team that still has a chance to win their division. Like, well, that's how that's how we our division was in 2019. Whenever Washington wants it, was it 2019? I think when Washington won the division um, at eight and nine or eight. Sorry, it was what was it? Uh, seven and nine. Seven and nine. Then or whatever it was, like we had one right, last so, game. Yeah. So my unheralded player is Brock Purdy. He outdueled Tom Brady. He went 16 to 21, 185 yards, two touchdowns, and that 35 to 7 win over the Buccaneers for the Niners. And after Jimmy G got hurt, people were saying, oh, maybe the Niners aren't, you know, I, I had the Niners as being the team to be worried about going into the playoffs. I mean, an, an Eagles Niners NFC championship game in Philly would be bananas. And but then when Jimmy G got hurt, I was like, I don't know if Brock Purdy can do it, but he looked good against Tampa in his first career start, Mr. Irrelevant. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But Brock Purdy had, had himself a, a really good first career start. If I go Brock Purdy. Yeah, and I think it was the honest. I think it was the best start ever by a rookie quarterback against well in their first start against uh Tom Brady because the history doesn't bode well for them. But man, well that's because Tom- Bill Belichick. <laughs> This is gonna be crazy, obviously. I'm just saying it now. Like the the rumors of like Tom Brady, what's I he gonna do? Tom Brady goes back like, to I think Brady's I, going man, back to there's talks about the Jets. There's talks about San Francisco. San Francisco traded all that capital to he go ahead and get. not going to the Jets. No they way. Traded, the Jets. They traded all that capital to get Trey Lance, and there's such a debate about quarterback now. Brock, any quarterback can essentially walk into this offense and and work and Trey Lance wasn't even good in the time that he was given in the offense. Jimmy G and Brock Purdy have made this offense look so good. Like it's crazy. Um, Jim, Jim says all they need. And I think this is referencing back to the Carolina Panthers. All they need is a Jimmy G stopgap QB trade away the pick in their QB hype draft, or you take the, the draft pick and invest it in a position of vital need where there's, there's like, this is a really good edge class. This is a really good cornerback class. This is a really good running back class. Matt Rule did well for the 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 Panthers. Is he he stocked and drafted well for that defense? So that defense is really good. Like defense, it's Jeremy, Jeremy Chin, J.C. Horn, Brian Bur- like they and Derek Brown. They they've 
really stocked up the defense. If they can figure out that offense, they can win that division. And I actually don't find the offense like bad. Like you got uh, Eki Ikwanu at uh, at tackle there. Like you've got some pieces in place. You got DJ Moore, and for some reason, no one can unlock. None of these quarterbacks, for good reason, I guess, can can unlock him. Like you need maybe it is a stopgap quarterback away from being like a team like San Francisco, where it's like, okay, you want us to only allow 10 points fine you go and put up 14 and that's all you need like you might have you have the defense there in place that you could be really good like San Francisco at this point like the Buccaneers scored seven points they are still the team I fear the most in the NFC sorry Sardar if you're here cover your ears they're still the team I fear the most in the NFC because if you go out there and you say Brock Purdy will put up 14 can you hold them to 10 or less that also, defense will go out there and do that. Yeah, D'Amico Ryans is good, and Kyle Shanahan has been to the Super Bowl with the Niners, so um, they they have the pedigree of, of actually getting there. Dallas has the pedigree of, you know, choking in January. So that's what we expect from them. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I didn't mean and, to put that out there. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for tuning in and Joining us on, on the chat, uh, as always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10 and follow me on Twitter at LJHorrell54. We'll be back later this week to get you set for the 12 and 1 Philadelphia Eagles against the Chicago Bears in the second of three consecutive road games before the Eagles finish off with two at home of the, to, to conclude the 2022 NFL regular season. So for Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for tuning in to the Kelly Green Hour. You want Philly food? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently.